You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Bunch of this did it again! Welcome into the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane, not much. We're getting into uh, the midweek area of the week, so really getting hungry for some SEC football. But before we go around the league, Shane, I got to ask you this, because I thought the biggest news story here on Tuesday, PETA, PETA's mattering, <laughs> damn it. Shane, did you see this? I did, I did, man. Go ahead and let the listeners know. So I get a lot of emails throughout the day, not to brag or anything, but... A lot of emails from around the SEC, from the teams and from fans and just from, you never know where uh, these emails are coming. And the latest one I got here on Tuesday, it took me a little while to uh, realize what I had, but old PETA emailed me, Shane, and uh, <laughs> they are mad that Bully the Dog down there at Mississippi State, apparently this bully, his full name is actually Jake. So it's Jake, the bully mascot there, live mascot yeah. from Mississippi State. We touched on it previously, how the uh, Auburn player, Booby Whitlow, kind of bumped into him. And man, PETA's pissed, Shane. They're calling for Mississippi State to end the live mascot tradition. And uh, I thought the best part, I'm not going to read you their whole letter because they sent me a giant letter. It's pretty asinine. But the best part, Shane, uh, it was sheer luck that this close call didn't leave Jake severely injured or even dead. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone that see the clip we would not make fun of a dog that's like getting trampled and like paralyzed this he yeah he got hit but not hard and it you know it spooked the dog but he's fine like he's he's mm -hmm. totally fine and <laughs> if anybody knows anything about these mascots shane uh this thing's probably got a better life than you or i i mean it just gets <laughs> yeah. pampered yes it does have to go to the games on saturday doesn't have to pay for his way in there uh i, I imagine he's he has a really cushy life Dude, I would kill for that, man. They're sitting there, air conditioned all the time, probably getting pet all the time. And you know what I'm saying? Like like what you're saying. And and yeah, did he have a close encounter on the sideline? Absolutely. But people pay a lot of money to have that close encounter on the sideline. So <laughs> I cannot feel bad for this dog. I mean, hell, you saw what happened last year with the, the steer about killing Ugga, you know. I mean, th those two are still at it. So that. This is just PETA being PETA, man. I, I follow them on Twitter just to make fun of them. 
And I'm sorry if you're a, <laughs> if you're a PETA follower and you listen to this show. Don't get me wrong. I, I do think some of the stuff that they do is is great work, but this is not it. This is not it. Yeah, we're a bunch of dog lovers. Shane's got dogs. I got dogs. Yeah. No issues with the dogs. Let's just be clear on that one. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'll tell you real quick, fun story. So I'm at the vet, right? Uh, this is last year, and I took my dog, and apparently he got some little mites in his ear, you know? Mm-hmm. So I go in there, and I'm in the vet, and uh, we're, we're talking and stuff. And he's like, yeah, we just got to, you know, you got to put some of this ointment in, you know, so many days or something like that. And I was like, well, how much is that? And he's like, uh, that's like 18 bucks. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, how much to put him down? And like that. <laughs> that vet looked at me. There's no way. If you know me and my dogs, I love my little Bruno. I'd I'd pay a thousand dollars, you know, for that ointment. It didn't matter. But I just you should have seen. You thought he was a uh, the the PETA spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> I just kidding, Doc. Man, <laughs> give me the ointment. Give me two of them. <laughs> All right, Shane. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, as promised on the last one, uh, we held off on Ole Miss for a week, so let or excuse me, a day. So let's start there in Oxford. And the only reason we were holding off, because they're playing Vanderbilt this week, and we wanted to wait for Derek Mason to meet with the media, which he did on Tuesday. So we'll get to Vanderbilt in just a second. But starting here with Ole Miss, I think the biggest thing, obviously down there in Oxford, what are they going to do at the quarterback position? Uh, John Rice Plumley. that's how this, you say his name, finally figured that one out, Shane. But uh, the true freshman quarterback, he had a, you know, a pretty good game against Alabama. He kind of opened a lot of eyes. But mm-hmm. uh, Matt Carell, I mean, he's no slouch either. So they've got some options there under center. Uh, so let's jump over to Matt Luke talking about the quarterback situation. And he was also asked about the uh, challenges of defending Vanderbilt's offense. Matt, if Matt is healthy and able to go, do you have an idea of how you might use Plumlee? Did he show enough with his feet? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know he did. He did definitely did enough. You're going to see him no matter what happens. But I, but again, I, you got to see Matt go out there and do it before you start making decisions. Does Neil remind you of anyone y'all faced so far at quarterback? I mean, it's it's hard to say. I, you know, he's a, you know he's a guy that's a transfer. And he's a good player. Got a lot of experience. Um, maybe Garbers from Cal. Maybe um, similar. But he's you know he's accurate and he gets the ball out. He's got you know the leading returning receiver in the SEC. Uh, so. He's, uh, you know, they they got a really good running back, so they can do both. That that's the challenge they present because they got a good running game and they have some good play actions. They got some tight ends they can get the ball to, and they got a very good receiver, so they have the ability to score some points for sure. All right, Shane. So we're not sure which quarterback is going to be under center for the Rebels just yet. 
but I really think that this could be one of the more entertaining games here in the SEC this weekend because I think what we've seen from John Rice Plumley, what we've seen from Vanderbilt with their weapons, and now Riley Neal, the quarterback, kind of coming along, I think this could be kind of a shootout game. I've, it's been a while since we've had a, a SEC shootout-style game, and I think we could be getting it this weekend. Absolutely, man. Well, you know, one of the things I like about this game that's intriguing is, you know, we know some of these top-tier teams who they are just because of who they've played. You look at L- a team like LSU that's gone against Texas, uh, uh, Georgia against Notre Dame, you know, but these 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 other guys, we don't know how they're going to fare in the middle of the pack because that's what they are right now. But these are, these are bowl bubble teams, and we want to see who is going to be a bowl team here at the end of the year. And I think there's a lot riding on this game. I think whoever wins is going to go to a bowl, and whoever loses won't. Yeah, that's a really good point, Shane. I'm glad you went there because, remember, obviously Ole Miss is coming off the two-year bowl ban, and they didn't go to the bowl the year previously. So they're on a three-game bowlless streak. So it would mean a lot to get these seniors to the postseason. You know, that's – you know, they're – Surely they're not looking at it that way. Like if we drop this game, we're not going bowling. But I'm, but right. I'm sure they know. You know, getting this one is a huge step to making that dream come true. Same thing at Vanderbilt, coming off first win of the season, they can really get some momentum here if they can go on the road and steal an SEC conference game. Uh, yeah. before, but before we jump to Vanderbilt, Shade, I also wanted to add this clip here from Rich Rod because he was asked about the quarterback situation at Ole Miss and. Hey, man, I, I really appreciate him at least not uh, – you know, he didn't give us any coach speak here. <laughs> no, he didn't. I, I guess I'll be the one. <laughs> quarterback situation. Ah, quarterback. All the different you scenarios. You got time. Yeah. So what do you want to know? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Well, hell, let me be honest with you. If, if, if I knew exactly today who was going to start what we are going to do, why the heck would I tell you? I mean, seriously, I mean, there's no benefit uh, other than you get to write about it and, and all that. So there's probably, unless Matt uh, Luke changes his mind, there's absolutely zero chance of me telling you anything about the quarterback situation till post-game Saturday. All right, Shane, he ain't telling us <laughs> shit even if he do it. <laughs> he goes like – do you really expect me to answer that? Because I'm not telling you. If Coach Luke didn't say it, then we don't know. I may go with the third string. You just don't know, you know? <laughs> well, let's jump over to Nashville, Shane. Take it down. Where Derek Mason went with the media. And speaking of that quarterback competition there at Ole Miss, uh, Derek Mason, he thinks he's got a really good idea of who the Rebels are going to have under center. And uh, he had some really high praise for the young man. When you look at Ole Miss offensively, they've used multiple quarterbacks. How do you go about preparing for that when you don't know which guy you're going to see? I think we're going to see Plumley myself, and that's just me. I think the young man played well on Saturday. If they move in another direction, you know, that's really on them. I thought he performed well versus Alabama for a freshman. You know, maybe to be out there, the game looked easy for him. Reminds me of Shea Patterson in terms of his ability, his movement. Um, he, 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 he's got a cool calmness about him, uh, and, and, and guys played for him. So those, those are all things that you look at when you watch the film. Um, I, I think that group, uh, you know, with Ely and when you look at Moore, I mean, they, they've got talent all over the field offensively. Um, so it's about continuity. I'm sure 
you know, I mean, Coach Luke and that group, you know, may have figured it out already but, or, or, or working through the a process of figuring it out. But from what I saw on Saturday, that young man could play. So, you know, with that, we're just going to prepare. I mean, their offense is their offense. I don't care who's running it. It's still going to be, you know, I mean, some zone reads, some split zone, you know, some counter. Okay, man, but you're going to see shots down the field. That's, that's just who they are. So, uh, no matter what quarterback plays, and I believe it will be Plumley, but no matter who plays, I think the offense is still going to be the offense. All right, Shane. So, Derek Mason's not hiding the fact that he thinks it's going to be Plumley coming off that really strong performance he had against Alabama. Even compared him to Shea Patterson, who, uh, you know, <laughs> he may not be doing so hot at Michigan from what I hear, but he had some real highlights there when he was at Ole Miss. I think that's kind of what Mason is alluding to there because – he obviously had to face Shea Patterson. Uh, so th- this is an interesting comparison, and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because what we saw – now, we I know we have questions about Alabama's defense, but anytime you put up crazy numbers on Alabama, it's still that's – that's an eye-opener. And if this freshman quarterback could do that against Alabama, you better be believe that he can do the same things against Vanderbilt at home. What are you hearing from fans here? I'm just curious because when I watched the game – if I'm just if I, let's just if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I want Plumley. I'm thinking, hell, he's a freshman, and look what he did against Alabama. You know, we can grow around this kid. Nothing against Matt. I think he's a hell of an athlete, and I thought he, you know, he's gotten better ever since week one. But on the flip side of the coin, man, I just love the little spark that Plumley has, and and I don't think I don't think that. Uh, uh, what's his name? Shea Patterson's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's an Ole Miss quarterback. I get that. But I, I think that, you know, just his mobility factor and how quick he is, uh, he's just he's just so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I, you know, I kind of compared him to Michael Vick running around. That's what he kind of yeah. reminded me of. Maybe Johnny Manziel, that type of athlete when uh, he's running the ball. Now, the only thing – that I would say, and I don't obviously I don't follow SEC baseball, but this kid apparently is going to play on the baseball team along with Jerry and Ely, so that's kind of interesting. But I don't know if he's maybe like a big baseball prospect. I would imagine with that speed he may be. So the only concern there, and this may be looking too far ahead, but he may be such a good baseball player that you know if the Rebels wanted to name him the starter and then. Maybe he just sticks with baseball. I could just see that potential roadblock there. Um, I don't know if that would be an issue, but that's just something to keep in mind. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I see what you're saying. Based on what we've seen just this year, and it's not to say Matt Corral's even bad because I think he's been – he's been solid in some spots. I mean, he he was a big factor in them winning that Arkansas game, which looks better now that Arkansas, you know, went toe-to-toe with Texas A&M. But – this Plumley, I, I don't know, he's just he's got a long ways to go as a passer, it looks like, but he's just so dynamic, such a game-breaker. And I, I think yeah. uh, I think that's what Derek Mason sees in him, and, and that's why he's anticipating him playing. Absolutely, man. All right, Shane, so let's uh, stick in the SEC East here. Uh, let's jump on down to Knoxville, where there was no coach uh, speaking to the media here, Shane, but we had some players speak with the media, and uh, – uh, I just figured I'd group some of these together because uh, they're, they're kind of shorter clips. And uh, But let's start here with uh, Brandon Kennedy, Shane, the Tennessee center, talking about Jim Chaney, obviously former Georgia coach. He's got some intel on what the Bulldogs are going to be trying to do. 
So I thought that was kind of an interesting comment. Uh, then we'll jump over to senior linebacker Daniel Batuli. Uh, I just thought this was a very interesting nugget on uh, he really spoke highly of uh, Henry Toa Toa and this, these young defensive players really putting in the extra work. And then Henry Toa Toa himself on his study habits and uh, on the advice he's been getting from his family after Tennessee's rocky start. This marks Jim Cheney's game against his former school. What kind of impact has he had on this offense? He's had a lot of impact, and you know him being from Georgia, you know he's able to like kind of tell us about you know what, what the players and you know the staff and how they are. So he's been excellent. How helpful is that? How helpful has that been this week, if at all? It's been very helpful, you know, just knowing like the game plan and what they're going to do. Because I mean, he's practiced against them for however long he's been there, so it's been a great tool. How do you keep your head up when you're one in three? The thing that you really focus on is it's a long season. We're only a third of the way through, so we we got eight games and even more to improve. So I think that's what we've really been focusing on as a team. Uh, really good. Uh, just about everything I've been talking about is, you know. You know, has came to reality. You know, him and a whole bunch of the younger guys are doing a great job of coming in and watching film. I was actually at home yesterday, and I FaceTime like the young guys, and they were still at the facility at like nine, ten o'clock last night. So it it felt really good to know that these young guys are working so hard, and um, obviously we're seeing the results of all that work they're putting in. So I'm happy for them. Who all was still there at that point? All the young guys. All the, all the young guys. Yeah. yeah. Could you do as a freshman what Henry Toa Toa is doing now? <laughs> uh, that boy's a dog. No, I, 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 I don't want to say what I can or couldn't do because uh, it wouldn't be fair to him, but I'm, I'm really proud of the player he is right now. And uh, to say I'm surprised by it uh, would be a lie because I, I'm not because of all this work that he's putting in. So I'm really happy for him. When did you first see it, this ability in him? You know, the amount of film study that he wants. You know, calling me up, uh, hey, asking me questions about football, what he can do to get better as a player. Those are all the things that he does. So I'm really not surprised by all the success he's having. What are the most he's helped you in, in, in terms of understanding defense? A lot. Like I said, you know, me and Batula would be during fall camp. We were in the, in the film room for a while. So probably like an hour or two after uh, practice, just going over plays and schemes. Did you study high, uh, football that much in high school? Yeah, you know, coming from the other side, that's what we really harped on is film study and just being able to understand the game. And then they just taught it that simple, just being able to understand what you're doing. And that's how we went from there in Dale South. Henry, even outside of football, are you a guy that's grown up asking a lot of questions? Are you a curious personality yeah. or is it just about football? Yeah, uh, I kind of just want to know everything. You know, I don't want to walk like I have a blindfold on, just walking around not knowing what to do. So I kind of just go take that approach with everything. So you're used to winning coming from Dale South. Yes. Mm -hmm. Going back home, seeing the parents, what, what advice did they kind of give you? Because I know you're from a big family. Yeah, uh, perseverance. Never give up. You know, that's what my family's really based upon, uh, is, you know, to push through adversity. You know, when something hits you hard, you, you keep going, you never give up. All right, Chance, so we threw a lot at you there, but uh, what stood out to you from these, uh, these three clips from these three players? Honestly, the last one, man. Actually, the last two, I guess you could say. The Toa Toa is... is you know, the thing that, that I love most about this is you got to remember, this is a true freshman. And you got a guy in here that is working his ass off. You know, he's doing it in the film study. He's doing everything he can to make his game better. 
And I think at some point that is going to rub off on the other players. Now, it may be some of the younger players. It may not be some of these upperclassmen, you know. Mm-hmm. But that gives me that gives me hope, man, because, I mean, we're having a bad season, and I get that. But, you know, you sent out that chart earlier today, and it's amazing uh, out of the last four classes just how many how many athletes are on this field and how many have disappeared. And so when you have somebody like uh, Henry out here doing this film study, it makes me think about not just the freshmen, but the next group that comes in, they're going to have someone to look up to and compare. Like somebody that's never been in college football before, they could say maybe they just don't know how they're supposed to go about uh, perfecting their craft outside of practice, and they can see a guy in, like like Henry putting all this extra time in, and th- and they're going to emulate that. And I just think somebody like that is a leader and doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And for uh, anyone that didn't catch what Shane was referencing there with the chart, so I'm, let's give this guy credit, Shane, because he tagged me on Twitter here. But uh, J C Clevenstein. O2 mm-hmm. on Twitter, uh, he worked up a little graph here. It's pretty interesting where it just shows uh, Tennessee's previous five signing classes. And <laughs> the first three on the list, Shane, I mean, you're thinking, you know, that's 75 players right around what it, or what it should be. And out of 75, Tennessee is essentially getting 10 contributions out of 75. I mean, that's god-awful. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of these – most of these guys are gone – and then I'm not even counting guys that are on here that are doing nothing. And when I mm-hmm. when I say ten contributors, I'm talking like, I mean, we're even talking about Garantano, who's kind of killing the team. We're talking guys like <laughs> Tim Jordan, who is not even really carrying the ball anymore. So I, yeah. even that ten number is kind of um, you know being kind of lenient there. But yeah, and this makes you wonder. Tennessee's had some linebackers here leave recently. Recently, Shane, and you know, one I believe was a junior, the other was a sophomore, and I bet uh, you know they look at this kid like Henry Toa Toa, and they're like, "My God, if you know he's putting in this work, he's already playing, he's already passed me up on the on the depth chart." Yeah, there's no chance that I'm ever going to see the field. So, yeah, you start to see why these pieces, why these moving pieces are kind of coming about. Uh, it kind of puts the picture better in place here. And do you think that gives them a longer leash? I mean. I, you know, everybody wants to jump on coach. And I, I mean, I did it at times. There were some bad mistakes I believe they made as far as coaching, like real life game time decision making. Mm-hmm. But when you see what he's working with and the pieces that are emerging, the, some of this young talent and the fact, I mean, you got to remember that first class, you can't count that as his class. I mean, he stayed at Alabama, you know, to, to compete for the national championship, you know, so he was behind the eight ball on that first recruiting class. So this, this, the group that we're seeing now, like the Henry's, like the, 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 the rights and the, you know, I mean, some of these freshmen that are popping up gray and those are like his true, that's his true first class. So how can you judge this coach with all this young talent? Let's see what he can do with this. If he's able to develop these freshmen, which it seems like they're already doing a great job. They've already earned starting roles. You know what I'm saying? I think the future is brighter. I don't think we're on the brink like Kirby says, but I, I think that we're getting there. Well, that's why the people that are suggesting that Pruitt's going to get fired here soon, I mean, it's just laughable. They're not, they have no knowledge of what's going on because 
I mean, what is that saying to the next coach? You've got, yeah. we'll let you bring in half a recruiting class. You know, it's going to be three or four guys that you get, that you can keep from this class. And yeah. then we'll let you bring in one class and you better get back to a bowl <laughs> immediately. Like this, that's it's, it's, it's illogical. You know what I mean? Like I know Tennessee's sucking right now, but that's the position they're in. And you see all these freshmen and sophomores, you know, all over the field. And a lot of them are playing well. I mean, you mm-hmm. gotta at least let, at least let him recruit at least one senior on the team before uh, you know you're kicking him out the door. It just it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think the biggest thing that's helping him and it's going to help him maintain his job is Coach Fulmer. You know, mm-hmm. this is a man that understands rosters. This is a man that understands how the system works, coaching works, and uh, he's. I mean, he also is the man that gave him the job. So I think the leash is a lot longer than people think. All right, Shane, so let's jump up to the other side of this one. Let's go to Athens. Kirby Smart met with the media here on Tuesday, and he was asked uh, to share his thoughts on Tennessee's quarterback situation, what he thinks they're going to do there, and he had a pretty interesting comment. And then uh, he didn't really appreciate this one, but I thought it was a good question on how dangerous this Tennessee team is with their backs against the wall, I mean, coming off a bye, getting this game at home, night game, Neyland Stadium. This uh, this is potentially going to be a game where Tennessee just throws everything at Georgia. And here's Kirby's comment on it. The Tennessee quarterbacks, in terms of how you would defend them, there's there's subtle differences. I mean, one's played a lot of ball, and one hasn't played as much ball. And when you start looking at those two combinations, a lot of things. I mean, they may have Juwan Jennings at quarterback, so maybe a lot of a lot of guys at quarterback. Uh, you said a bunch of times you've got to come ready to play in the SEC every week, and you really seem to be high on Tennessee's talent level, especially their young talent. I just want to see if, you know, I don't, you haven't been a part of a lot of these teams that have started off kind of as slowly as they have and gotten off to the rough start, but does it make a team dangerous when they're kind of backs against the wall a little bit, really almost desperate for something good to happen for them like that? Does that make them maybe a little bit more dangerous? Every team's dangerous. I mean, when I watch college football every Saturday, every team is dangerous. You're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds whose mind is not where your mind is. My mind is there 98% of the time, okay? Their mind's there probably 5 to 10% of the time. Every team is dangerous, starting with Tennessee. All right, Shane, so I thought it was particularly (laughs) interesting where – you know, Georgia's reading the practice notes here because they know Juwan Jennings taking some snaps at quarterback. <laughs> I've, I heard that, uh, I think it was last week. I don't know if that's, you know, something serious. I don't know if they're, you know, trick plays or what have you, but uh, Georgia's on high alert for anything and everything Tennessee's going to throw at them. And, uh, you know, Kirby says every game's dangerous. I think this one is particularly dangerous because Tennessee's got nothing to lose. But he also said 98, you know, that kind of stood out. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know, I the thing that I admire most about Kirby uh, is is this, you know, it, you know, we we were joking last week, Dan didn't even want to talk about Tennessee till the last question. You know, Kirby addressed it. You know, he he knows. I don't want to say no. He respects the University of Tennessee and he he respects the coaches and he knows that he's going to get our best, you know. Yeah, I mean, something that that one guy said you know is they're back against the wall yeah i think you know 
they need to show something. I, I think that's what they want to come out. And they're not going to hold anything back. I mean, what is there to hold back to, you know? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> now an interesting side, and I don't know if he was talking about his players or ours, and I, I'm pretty sure it was his, you know, it's, it's getting these kids at Georgia's mind right, you know, because here's Kirby. Yeah, sure, he's not overlooking Tennessee, but it's a lot easier to overlook somebody if you're, you know, 19, 20 years old and you, you're, you know, you feel like a powerhouse and that this is just going to be just any other Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, some of the biggest upsets, you know, I mean, you think about that Appy State Michigan game, you know, there was no way Michigan was looking at Appy State as a, as a competitor uh, and, and then turn around. Next thing you know, they're, they're losing the game. So Kirby doesn't want to have that. He does not, he, you know, he wants to keep business first and, you know, he's kind of got that Saban mentality, you know. And I wonder if he's making those comments because remember all week leading up to the Notre Dame game, it was a lot of talk of focusing on what's ahead of you. Don't get caught up in the atmosphere. Don't get caught up in this national game. And I think that's all fine and well. But then when you get to the stadium and just that incredible scene and everything that went with it and the lights and all that, I mean, we hit on the fact that Georgia fans made that such a unique atmosphere that I don't think we're going to see again this regular season. Yeah. And I wonder if those, you know, just the big stage and the bright lights got to some of these Bulldogs and and certainly not guys like Jake Fromm. I don't think I don't think it phased him at all, but they're relying on a lot of young talent right now. They got some guys banged up, so they got even more youth on the field. And I wonder if he's just been sending a message to those guys. Uh, maybe this, these comments somewhat relate to those those players on the fact that uh, I don't think Georgia played their best. Uh, people keep giving me hell for saying that because Notre Dame, you know, it's not to say Notre Dame's trash team. They're a top 10, and they, they probably deserve it based on what I saw in that game. But I just really think Georgia should have blown them off the off the field, and they didn't do it. And I wonder if it just kind of came to you know some of those players losing focus on on such the the big stage. No, I, I think you're right, dude. And you know I'm pissed that they let Notre Dame hang around because now we're going to have to hear about it all year long if they don't lose again that they deserve a spot in the national championship or the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, I really think that if they were playing again this Saturday, I, I think that they'd do a lot better and. You know, but it, they haven't had that much competition going into that game. And But the easiest thing to do is, you know, you come off a big game like that. You saw it with, uh, I don't want to compare it to Texas A&M, but Texas A&M had a huge game against Auburn, and then there was just that letdown, mm-hmm. you know. And, and th- there's potential in that. And you, the last thing you want is this thing to come down to the last two or three drives, you know. And keeping this in mind, Shane, Georgia, the next couple of weeks – you really hope they're not looking that far ahead, but you never know. Uh, they got, obviously, this Tennessee game, and then they have South Carolina, and then they have Kentucky. So three mm-hmm. teams that have been going through some very disappointment uh, before they get a bye week, and then they face Florida. I think he's also just trying to fight his team from just kind of looking at this slate like, oh, we'll just show up and beat the shit out of all these teams. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a rowdy crowd because – they, a lot of them took offense to that, you know, attempt to check her kneeling. And I don't know, that may have been a, a, a plant or something, you know, that may have been us down there stirring up some shit. So I don't know, but uh, I think that, you know, I, you, you, I see Tennessee fans all the time and, and uh, they're, they're pumped up about the game. You know, they know it's going to be, it ain't going to be easy, but you know, again, 
I don't know. It's just something about somebody's got that. It just feels like that vibes out there that things are going to get better. Something's going to break. You know, we were kind of at this point last year and we beat Auburn, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So let's jump on down to Starkville where Joe Moorhead met with the media here on Tuesday. This is the only team we're going to hit on today that is on a bye. But I thought we had to do this uh, because Joe Moorhead was asked about the Rutgers job and the speculation. So I wanted to get to that comment. And uh, But before he was asked about that, the, to open his presser, he was asked about Mississippi State, uh, how they're responding to that incredibly tough loss at Auburn. So I thought this, uh, what he had to say, Mississippi State fans should appreciate it. And then obviously we'll, he'll follow up with uh, his thoughts on being rumored for the Rutgers job. Coming off last game, it, as, a, as a player or a coach and anyone who's competed at this level in any capacity, you never get over a loss. You learn to live with it. And, and the physical and emotional investment that goes into preparing for a football game and then playing it and have one come out the way it did, uh, you just, you know, the food doesn't taste good. You don't get much sleep. But, uh, you know, and it just it, it eats a hole in you. And, and that's that's just what it is. And uh, the losses hurt more than the, than the wins feel good. But, you know, we talk about singleness of purpose with our kids and making the corrections and then moving on and going one and zero. I expected them to come out like this because we, we, we put that game to bed on, on a Sunday. Seems like it's sort of come out of nowhere, but your name has come up in the, the Rutgers head coaching job. What's your reaction to that? Reaction? Uh, I mean, I guess it's getting towards that time of year. That, I mean, uh, you know, we ask our players to be, you know, focused on the task at hand, and, and right now I'm focused on you know, us getting better tomorrow, you know, us doing a great job recruiting this weekend, and then doing what we need to do with the team next week to find a way to beat Tennessee. Has anybody from Rutgers contacted you or your representatives? Damn. All right, Shane. So (laughs) Joe Moorhead laughing this one off, and it's kind of interesting because now I don't think you should ever judge – you know, at the temperature of of a coach's support with his fan base, just based solely on social media. I think social media is such a you know a unique avenue, and you never even know if these are real fans or you know it's just a little bubble is all it really is. But after he came out and said this, I put it on Twitter, and you see some of the reactions, and they're disappointed that he's not looking the other places. <laughs> I can't. I find it hard to believe Mississippi State thinks. Uh, you know, this guy's just trash after one game, but some people seem to be out there doing that. And I don't know if he leaves after, like we've already said, we don't think he is, but I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm really trying to say here, Shane, but I guess I just think it would really hurt Mississippi State if they had a guy come in for a year and a half, two years and leave. And uh, I just thought it was interesting that he denied all these Rutgers allegations. And two, if that happens, Mike, just similar to uh, the Tennessee job, you know who's who's beating down the door to play a coach at Mississippi State right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I I think that similar to Tennessee, they've got a lot of young pieces too, and I think that they've got a better future ahead. But you know, unfortunately, it does fall on those quarterback shoulders right now, and they've got to get that figured out. And I, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. I mean, you just played the University of Auburn, which some are saying is a, the top team in the nation. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, a couple of those bad breaks went a different way. This is a close game, believe it or not. Don't let the box score fool you. There were some moments when Mississippi State had opportunities to stay in this game, and they just blew it. But that's just that's just part of it. So the coach is upset. 
you know, of course he's going to be. The, the team's upset. It's just how do they rally, you know? I mean, they've got two weeks to get their mind right, and I'm, I am intrigued with uh, how they bounce back, you know, and, and that just kind of will show the leadership of this team. Yeah, and I guess, you know, last thing I got on this, Shane, I mean, he's got a better record than Dan Mullen after 17 games down there at Mississippi State. I don't think that's anything to just kind of brush off. I know Dan Mullen left him with a hell of a lot of talent, but, I mean, he's recruiting better than Dan Mullen ever did. He's, I don't know, I just, I don't know what Mississippi State fans are, are expecting every year. They want a 10-win season every year? I mean, that's just, that's yeah. that's literally never happened in their <laughs> in their school history that's gone back 115 years that, you know, they're get, they're going to have back-to-back 10-win seasons or something. So, I don't know, I think... Uh, I think they could. I think they could do a lot worse than Joe Moorhead looking around at the SEC right now. But I will. I will say, Mike, you, when you get a little taste of it, you know, it, <laughs> it's it's hard to watch it slip away. Trust me, I get it. You know, I mean, I grew up in the '90s, and you know, I loved the '90s. I thought we'd never lose. You know, I was pissed off. Oh man, we lost a game. Now we're really going to need one break so we can get in the SEC championship. That was the attitude I had every year. You know what I'm saying? If we lost to Florida, it's like. Well, okay, Florida's got to lose two games. It's possible, you know. <laughs> and then we're right there in the SEC championship. So, you know, just hang in there. Uh, you got to give your – same thing. You got to give your coach time. He doesn't even have his guys in. You know, he had to build this team up with transfers. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have his recruits hitting at full potential either. And I just don't think he's able to run the offense that he was able to run there at Penn State. You know, it's just – it takes time. You got to play with what you got, and his strengths right now just aren't 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 there. They're just they're just not there yet. Yeah, and I'd say they probably got the second best freshman quarterback in the league, and that's that's his chosen guy. I mean, that's that's a hell of a starting point. God, I'd love to have bearded trader up here. You guys are lucky. You shouldn't be bitching. You know, it could be worse. <laughs> All right, Shane, so let's jump on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where they got the best freshman in the SEC, in my opinion. And that's something that Gus Malzahn hit on on Tuesday, uh, the continued progression of Bo Nix in this offense. Uh, and then also on his evolution as a play caller. Remember, it's been a, several years since he's been doing this full time. And it just seems like, I don't know if it's Bo Nix getting better or you know, the, them working together now for a couple games or just, just them both getting more comfortable in the role. But uh, Gus Malzahn seems to be, as each game's going, a, a better and better play caller. And that is what carried Auburn to the national championship with Cam Newton. And then a couple of years later uh, to the national championship game, which they lost under Nick Marshall. I mean, Gus Malzahn was, uh, you know, he was instrumental in both of those. Yeah, every week you can just sense you can sense it in practice. I mean, it's not just the games in practice. You can sense uh, the awareness. We're trying to do a lot of carryover and trying to build upon things. And you know, each week he feels more comfortable. Then you can add a few things uh, to that. And we're to a point now where um, you know he really feels more comfortable. And uh, each week, each snap, you know, um, you know he'll feel more comfortable. Obviously, you know, we're going on the road this week. It's going to be probably the most hostile environment we've been in. It's going to be loud. We've been working crowd noise for six weeks, so hopefully that'll help, you know, prepare him, you know, for this environment. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a coach's son, and we knew that when we recruited him, but still, I don't care if he's real comfortable. you got to get out there and you got to do it. And then 
after things slow down a little bit, then you can see progressions and you can see reads and you can see drops execute. So it's it's all the above as far as that goes. You got to go out there and do it. You can't just know it. You got to go out there and do it. And then we talked about our receivers not being healthy until about two weeks ago. And we hadn't had time to do any kind of timing. Well, now they've been healthy for two weeks. So hopefully the timing will continue to improve. We're still not there, but hopefully that will continue to improve in the right direction. Is it fair to say you've evolved as a play caller concerning some different things, some different looks over these you know, last few weeks than compared to when you were calling plays? And what has influenced you? Yeah, it's that? been so long since I called play, I can't really remember what I, how it used to work. But, uh, you know, I, I think each week you just uh, – you try to give your guys the best chance of being successful with what you're going to face. And I think really our guys deserve all the credit. I mean, the standpoint that they are executing what's called against some, some good defenses. And so it makes it easy to call plays. We've got some excellent uh, coaches that help me. I mean, Kenny Dillingham's done a super job, you know, with, with Bo, he, you know, and just, just does a great job. Cody Burns, my, you know, really won my right hand. Guys uh, deserves a lot, deserves a lot of the credit. Cadillacs, you know, he's he's brought a lot to our uh, our team. And then JB Grimes with our offensive line, you know, I've said this before, he's a great teacher, and those guys are responding well. And then Larry Porter's doing a good job with our our H back. So it's a real team effort as far as that goes. All right, Shane. So Gus is, uh, you know, he's liking what he's seeing. They obviously got their toughest test to date coming up here at Florida. Uh, but I just thought these were some interesting comments on, uh, like I said, man, if, if this offense, if what we saw in Mississippi State weekend, if that's the offense moving forward, <laughs> I'm not saying Auburn's unbeatable. I don't think that. But I just really think they are, I mean, they're the team to beat in the SEC with that defense. Yeah, I mean, defense is a big part. But something he hit on there is he's, you know, he's he not he got his weapons back, man. The receivers are back. And, you know, that they actually – came out better than I thought they were. I thought they would be two, three weeks before they started working on this chemistry of Bo, but they were able to jump right into it. But that's just going to keep getting better. And, you know, he's able to throw more at Bo so that he's able to be a better quarterback. So um, the defense, you know, you know that old saying, defense wins championships. I really do think that if you have a great defense, it makes your offense a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, that's that's what they've leaned on early, and that's why I think if this offense continues to progress, just balances this whole thing out because the defense is not going to have an A-plus game every day all season long. But if they can have a B, B-plus day, this offense is going to be able to carry them to it, the chance that they do have an off day on defense. Absolutely, man. Man, think about how many freshman quarterback we got playing, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is under. How many we got? We got we got Plumley. We got down four, there. We got four in the East because we got Heislinski uh, there at South Carolina. Is it uh, is it Heislinski? Oh, I get. You. Uh, I see what you're doing. Helinski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got uh, obviously Bo Nix. We got the bearded Trader, and then uh, we got oh, Plumtree. Yeah, Plumtree. <laughs> <laughs> And then, who knows, Shane, we might get on Friday, or excuse me, on Saturday, we might have uh, Brian Maurer ruling out for Tennessee. Yeah. I, I wouldn't rule that out either. Bo Nix. Did you say Bo? Yes, yeah, sir. I mean, that's – that's what is it? I'm terrible at math, Mike. Uh, I've, ran out, I've ran out of fingers. I think we've got four right now. Four right now, possibly five if Maurer plays. Is that true? I thought we had more than that. 
Okay, so we got Holinsky, we got we got Bo, mm-hmm. we got Plumley, mm-hmm. we got the Bearded Trader. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else? That's four, Shane, and then Mauer would be five. Five. Okay. You sure there's not one more floating out there? Hell, we don't know what Kentucky's going to do. They may put somebody in there. <laughs> That's true. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, I just, final team I wanted to hit on here. We don't have a clip. Couldn't really find a good audio version of this, but uh, Barry Odom down there at Missouri. M-I-Z! He spoke here on Tuesday. And how about this little nugget, Shane? Obviously, Missouri's coming off a bye. They're facing Troy this week. But Barry Odom, in his coaching career, which is several years now, when he's got over two weeks to prepare for an opponent, now, I'm excluding FCS games here. Mm-hmm. But anytime, I mean, a season opener, coming off a bye, a bowl week, his team is 0 for 7. They lose every single time. Uh, that's troubling. And that's, uh, you know, I think Missouri kind of got, obviously, uh, upset big time against Missouri, or I guess Wyoming. They've got to avoid that once again against Troy, who's so, they have a reputation as an SEC slayer. <laughs> So that's who they got this week, and uh, Barry Odom's mixing it up. He mixed it up the the entire bye week schedule last week. He basically said he threw that one in the trash, and they just they managed last week like it was a game week. And obviously they're doing that again this week because it is a game week. But uh, I think it was kind of smart of Barry Odom to kind of look in the mirror and say we've got to do something different because whatever they were doing before was obviously not working. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Shane. On the fact that, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but it seems like he's kept his team uh, from being relaxed during the bye week, which has cost him so many times in the past. It's funny because he, he talked about it last week going in. You know, he was just saying, and he goes, you guys, I know how you guys, he's talking about the media, like to point out how I do out of these bye weeks. So <laughs> he goes, you know, what do you say, seven? I think it's seven, right? Right, oh for 7. Yeah, yeah. So he said, after seven years, I thought maybe I'd just try something a little different. So, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe the media is on to something here. So I like this, man. You're mixing it up because who knows that maybe, maybe it was a problem. I don't think it was, but – you know, getting these guys in a routine, I think, is also important because we're talking about kids, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like I can't I can't let my kids stay up to 1 o'clock in the morning because I know she's going to have trouble getting up in the morning, you know. <laughs> you got to keep that schedule going. Yeah, and I think that's going to be huge, Shane, because I certainly think Missouri, they're a huge favorite against Troy, but they got to take this game seriously. They cannot get caught napping before they go back into the SEC play because they'll have three consecutive conference games after this one but uh, I don't know I'm really interested to see how this plays out they've got to end this streak if they lose to Wyoming and Troy with all this with this so much hype around this team I mean this that'll be devastating oh yeah I I, I think I, but after this like if Missouri comes out and kills them I think I think we need to lay off the Troy SEC killer you know I just, I think <laughs> You know, now it was, I I saw it last year, you know, I get that. But this year, I I think we're really, we really got Troy's number this year. Okay. Okay. I say, so that's all the news I got around the league. Uh, You got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, buddy. I got some reviews. Uh Uh-oh. All right, Mike, I got a couple reviews here, and I, I, you know, I appreciate everybody taking the opportunity to get on there on the iTunes and, 
give us a five-star rating, and uh, especially ones that went a little bit further and gave us a review. That really does help us out tremendously. So I like to read that. I got a couple here. The first one comes from Krypton Barton. Big Orange Vols, five-star. Big-time Gator fan here, and I put the Tennessee rivalry almost on the same level as Florida State rivalry. I hate that soft yellow-orange with a passion. That being said, I love the personality and perspective Shane brings to the table. Top college football podcast here. It's fitting that it's SEC-centric. Well, Krypton Barton, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for that one. All right. This one comes from JPC4Sheezy. Awesome name. Uh, 190 proof moonshine. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's a great idea. Five star. Great pod, fellas. Love the conference-wide content you provide. I'm a Georgia alumni, but unfortunately for me, all my in-laws are Vol fans. When I listen to the pod, I just... Pretend y'all are long-lost cousins I never wanted but married into. I'm jealous every time Shane cracks open that beer and I think he's missing out on a great sponsorship opportunity. Since Bush Light had to drop the Venmo game day sign guy, they need a new (laughs) face to slap on their cans. Cousin Shane to the rescue. The official beer for Tennessee fans to cry into until Jim Chaney gets poached again. But seriously, I'm ready for Tennessee to rise up, join forces with Georgia, and drain the swap and make the Gators irrelevant again. Keep up the great work and go dogs. Well, JPZ for Sheezy, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. I would like to see Shane be the new face of the the, the beer for sure. What? What happened to the Venmo guy? Oh, uh, that's that's a long story for a different day, okay. Shane. Okay, <laughs> okay. I, man, I, I got to keep up with current events, you know. Okay, but anyway, I appreciate all the listeners. Again, those reviews really do help us out. We had a lot of we had a lot of ghost reviews, which those help too. So I'm not I'm not you know if you're in the iStore store or the uh, the Best Buys or the you know wherever you're at. Get you on, get on one of those iPhones. Put in review. Just ghost it. You ain't got to say something. Just ghost five star review. That really helps out. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks as always for joining me. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And remember, uh, you know, give us a follow here on. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on YouTube now. It's all under that SEC podcast. Uh, so all that goes a long way to supporting the show and of course word of mouth that's always huge if anyone out there that you know would like the show uh, feel free to introduce it to them and we really appreciate each and every one of y'all doing all that absolutely all right shane so i'll catch you on the next one all right see you guys go balls Give me a rock and I was ready to roll On to California with the guy named Joe Cause he makes Benjamin's rain from the sky It's a thirst I just can't quench